The Audioverse Awards are supported on Patreon by listeners like you. Help us achieve our physical trophy goals by donating a dollar or ten dollars. Whatever you would like to give helps. Visit us on the web at patreon.com slash audioverseawards. That's patreon.com slash audioverseawards. Thank you. Hi, this is Christian Kelly Madera, the director and co-creator of The Once and Future Nerd. It is a dramatic serial with frequent comedy elements about three teenagers from present-day Pennsylvania who end up in a world of wizards, elves, and feudal intrigue. You're going to hear an episode where some of those intrigue elements come to a head. This is the final episode of the second chapter of our second book, What Used to Be Enough, Part 5. Thank you for listening. The following audio drama is rated R for Rockin'. You can be sure that everything you wanted to see when you're a teenager is here. Just tantalizingly out of reach if you're under 17 or 18 years old. The Once and Future Nerd depends on listeners like you for funding and for spreading the word. If you enjoy the show, please tell a friend, leave us a rating or review on iTunes, and if you are able, consider supporting us at patreon.com slash onceandfuturenerd. You shall be rewarded. The Once and Future Nerd Book 2 Myth Made Flesh Chapter 2 What Used to Be Enough Part 5 by Rhiannon Angel, Ian Harkins, and Christian T. Kelly Madera Dear Ones, When last we left our Miss Bailey, she was frantically preparing the horse's head in for the sudden arrival of a very prestigious guest. Anna, run and get the finery. Those, my lass, are the knights of the wood. Now, I trust you recall that Arlene Redmore's departure from Castle Gwenatal was, if not strictly speaking illegal, then very much not the sort of thing done, and by necessity highly secretive. And if you do not recall this... I can assure you that Arlene did. Well, girl, don't just stand there gawking. Make haste. Knights of the... No, they can't see me. They mustn't. Because I'll spill the wine or burn the bread. I'm a terrible bar girl. I'll bring shame upon you, Miss Bailey. I know I will. What am I supposed to do? Serve them on my own? Ugh. You're not wrong, though. Oh, no. Not him, too. Anna, take him. If either of you makes a scene, you're out. Last chance, do you understand? Desperately, Arlene began to gather the baby and his accoutrements. Between the basket, the baby, the bottle and the music box, her arms were more than full. It will forever be a wonder to me how such tiny humans managed to amass so many necessary items in such a short amount of time. Of course, thank you. I'll just take him on a walk. We'll come back when... Don't be daft! It's near midnight! Just sit with him in the corner, pretend you're a guest, and for Galadon's sake, keep quiet. Arlene had no time to respond. As the door swung open, she all but dove into a corner booth and turned her back to the inn's new visitors. 
Miss Bailey turned, beaming to her new guests, her arms wide open as if to hug the Lord Commander. She thought better of it and turned the gesture into an awkward but enthusiastic curtsy. Lord Commander, as I live and breathe, truly it is an honour to have your men grace us with a visit. If you're looking for the comforts of home, head to the Horse's Head Inn, that's what they say. (laughs) Who's they? Can I get you a glass of our mulled wine? Or perhaps something stronger? Or sweeter? Or better? As Miss Bailey babbled and bustled about the common room, Lord Commander Rulotith's elvish perception took in all. A few patrons huddled near the fire, their attention on the new arrivals. A young mother cradled a sleeping baby in the corner, her face ducked against the child's soft swaddling. Reed trained her gaze on this cloth especially. Frayed, worn, loved. I have a tonic that will... Thank you, good woman. That won't be necessary. I don't plan on staying long. I'm here on business, you see. Business, my lord? The Knights of the Wood are making rounds in search of any orcs that may have escaped us at the battleground. Mercy! Can you imagine? Well, yes. That's why I'm here. Right. Well, we've seen no orcs here. Thank Galadon. Then Galadon for the crops and the sunshine. As for keeping the orcs away, we only have each other's constant vigilance to thank. It's for that reason that I'm afraid I must impose upon you and your guests to speak for a few moments. Please do, Lord Commander. Best to be safe, not sorry. That's the Bailey maxim. Now, as you all seem to be... upstanding men and women, I'm sure you feel compelled by conscience as well as by law to report any orcish activity to the nearest garrison. Aye, but of course. But the orc is a crafty devil. He knows tricks and ruses to deceive all but the most trained eye. Which is why we must also be on the lookout for anything that even seems suspicious. Now, has anyone seen anything out of the ordinary they'd like to tell us about? No one? The smallest detail might help. You never know. Miss Bailey shot a glare towards Arlene and the child, but Relotit calmly turned to face them with a painted-on smile. My word. Is this your child, my dear? Arlene, whose waxing courage would not allow her to raise her head to meet the elf's eyes, vehemently shook her head no. It's not hers. It was found shortly after the battle. And when I asked, you didn't think that out of the ordinary? Are you accustomed to taking in strange infants? Not accustomed, no. But it didn't seem strange after a big battle like that. Forgive us, my lord. Hmm. Precisely what I mean. Thankfully, there's no harm done this time. We're lucky, in fact. There's a mother nearby what lost her little one in the chaos of fleeing the battle. I dare say that's the one right there. You don't say. We'll gladly take the poor dear off your hands and return it to its loving mother. Ree reached her arms out for the child. At this, the almost visibly shaking Arlene gulped in a deep breath and finally raised her head. Where... Where's the mother from? I'm sorry. You'll have to face me, my dear. My hearing's not what it used to be. Arlene Redmore studied the child for a fleeting moment, still unable to hold its own head up, its soft face completely without malice or guile, and then with grim resolve, she turned to face the Lord Commander Relotit. Where's the mother from? 
As the elf looked the woman straight in the eyes, a hint of a smirk tugged at the former's lips. Ma, but it is hard to hear over the poor thing's wailing. Can you do anything to quiet it down? Arlene produced Meryl's music box from her pocket. Lovely tune. Now, what was your question? Where's the mother from? I'm certainly no expert in the human dialects, but yours is a very particular accent. There's a hint of peasantry from House Redmore's lands. But no, that's not quite right. Where are you from? Oh, you know, Hivignon, in it? Hivignon, indeed. Uh, funny, that's exactly where the mother is from. <laughs> where she's from is her business. My business is to see that everything in this world is where it belongs. Now come. Rilotit reached out for the child once more, but Arlene only pulled him closer to her. What is your connection to this child? None, my lord. Only, supposing it's not the one you're after. Wouldn't want it out in this cold for nothing. Let alone got its mother's hopes up. She's from the mill in town to the west of here. Does that satisfy? Then that's not the child at all, my lord. Found him east by the water. By the water? Did you see anyone else nearby? No, no, my lord. My dear girl, if you'll take us outside and show us the exact spot, it would be much appreciated. Now, my lord? But it's so cold and I've not got a winter cloak. I can tell you the exact spot. Even draw it on a map if you got one. Rilotit took a quick inventory of the other faces in the room, all entirely enraptured by the conversation. Yes, I suppose that would be all right. She produced a scroll from somewhere on her belt and placed it on the table in front of Arlene. There you are. Take your time and be sure to find the right spot. And as she turned back to the rest of the room, Arlene briefly closed her eyes in a silent prayer of thanks. Hush now. Now, while I have everyone's attention, there's one more matter in which I could use your help. I assume you've all heard tell of the disappearance of the Lady Arlene Redmore? Arlene went white. The lady went missing mere hours after her marriage to Lord Antonin of House Mooncrest. Mooncrest blamed Redmore, Redmore blamed Mooncrest, and now the two houses are at war. Lord Ardell Redmore has alleged that the Lady Arlene was kidnapped by her handmaiden, who disappeared along with her. He's offered a substantial reward for the return of his sister. Alive, of course. And the handmaiden, dead or alive. So if any of you have seen two unknown women traveling about together, one highborn and one low... Anyone? Miss Bailey... You've many travelers come through I'll here. show you. Say again, dear? I'll show you the spot outside. It will be easier. Ah, splendid. And take the child. Perhaps we can clear this all up right now and I'll depart directly. As soon as they were outside the inn, Ree gave Arlene a very perfunctory bow. Lady Redmore, or should I say Mooncrest? My, but we are resourceful. Please, my lord. Gwen did not kidnap me. Gwyn? 
Oh, of course, the handmaiden. <laughs> yes, I know she didn't kidnap you. Our flight was my idea. I ordered her to help me. She mustn't be treated as a criminal. Her treatment will depend very much on your actions, my lady. So, let's take a walk, and you can show me where you found this child. After you. Arlene started off in the direction of the stream. Ree motioned to one of her lieutenants, who covertly handed her a cloth bundle a few feet in length, and then she followed after Arlene. Now, at that moment, the aforementioned handmaiden was in Bryce Riverfell's study at Freehold and face to face with Brennan, to the surprise of all three present. General Brennan! Gwen of Ruefield. Peace be praised. Thank Olva is good. We feared the worst for you after everything at the castle. Aye, I've heard the tales the usurper Ardell is spreading about me. We knew for sure he was lying, but we also knew he'd have it in for you. What a relief to see you in one piece. How fair is your lady? I pray she is not still... You've not heard. We fled to keep. On the day of my lady's wedding, as it happens. Is it so? Fortune continues to favour the bold, it seems. That is well. Ardell was a cruel wretch when his rank was low. Now, I quake with fury to imagine. Aye. I'd never have left my lady there alone with him on the high throne. And I'll not leave him on the high throne. Not for long. That much I swear to you. As uh, <clears throat> much as this reunion is warm in my heart, uh, it is, and I needed it. I need to ask why you're here, Miss Gwen. I thought we both understood it was safest for you to stay at Bailey's. I'm here on my lady's behalf. There's something I'm to ask you, General Riverfell, and it's for your ears only. Though, I'm sure my lady never imagined General Brennan would be here. You know, he's been knighted. He has. Gwen gave a curtsy and a beaming smile. Sir Brennan. Well-deserved and long overdue, if I may say. When was this? It, uh, it was a very private ceremony. I can tell you more later. Uh, about this question, Miss Gwen. Aye. I suppose if there was anyone at Castle Guanatal my lady would have trusted, would have been you, Sir Brennan. Perhaps you can help as well. Only, do you think you could send your men a mite further away, General Riverfell? Bryce seemed confused, but saw the urgency in Gwen's eyes. How's about you go out for a stroll, gents? Appreciate it. Now then. Right. We found a child. A child? A wee little babe. Couldn't have seen two moons yet. Its mother died in a field near the inn. My lady and I have been caring for it, but we can't do that very long. And you come to see if I can track down any of its kin? Well, that's the thing. See, this child looked normal in every way. Sweetest little thing you ever saw, except it cries a lot. But the mother looked like an orc. Brennan and Bryce immediately locked eyes. I know, it was folly to take it in, but I couldn't leave it out to starve. First things first, is my lady in any danger? From the child? No, but you shouldn't have it. You say it looks just like a human child? Might get teased by other children for having such light eyes, but otherwise you'd never think it wasn't born a min. But the mother was an orc. Looks so to me. Skin all grey and blue, though that turned out to be paint. But, yeah, bright red eyes. I think I must see this child with my own eyes. Where is your lady staying? At the Horsehead Inn. You know it? Aye. Though I must be back before dawn. I'll have to make haste. I'm sure you can stay here, Gwen, if you're road-weary. I'll come. My lady will be overjoyed to see you. I hope you don't mind a rough ride, then. I'll uh, try and think of something while you're gone. I don't want you two keeping the thing, but this is a big thing to ask. I know. Thank you, General. Godspeed to both of you. 
And so did they depart, just as soon as they were able, in the direction of the horse's head in, and Arlene's frightful midnight stroll with Lord Commander Relotit. And oh, dear listeners, how neat and tidy it would have been if some time jump in our tale could place them at the inn in time to interrupt said stroll. But alas, Brennan and Gwen are still a few hours' ride away. They will not rescue Arlene. This is where I found the child. As the lady came to a halt beside the stream, the elf kept ten yards behind her. Good. I must ask you something now that we're away from pioneers. When you found this child, was it near its mother? I already told you. Now beware. If you lie to me about this, then I've no reason to believe you about the alleged innocence of your dear... Gwyn, was it? So once more, did you find this child with its mother? Yes, I did. And the mother did not appear to be of the human race, did she? No, she didn't. She appeared to be of the orcish race. Yes. <laughs> yes, she was. There's no need to cry, my lady. Your honesty has served the realm well, and I thank you for it. I'd like to show you something, if you'd be so kind as to look to the horizon over yonder. All right. <laughs> what am I looking for? Though Arlene was never the sporting type, she had known enough summers at court to recognize the sound of a bow being drawn. You coward. You bring me all the way out here to kill me and you can't even look me in the eye. There's a small joint behind the skull where it meets the neck. Piercing it causes instant and painless death. I'm unaccustomed to this primitive fletching on these orcish arrows, but if you're still, I'm sure I can strike the target. If you run or squirm or raise a ruckus, however, I can be sure to hit you, but I can't be sure it'll be painless. You decide. You said yourself there are people looking for me. How do you hope to get away with this? Like I said, orcish arrow. It'll look like a raiding party. Now take a moment to still yourself so as not to flinch. It helps if you look dead. Gwen knows nothing about any of this. You must leave her be. Please. A moment, I said. Do not make me regret my compassion. <laughs> Goodbye, Gwen. We had songs and kisses and laughter for a few days at least. For that, I'd gladly give my life. I'll wait for you in Galadin's Green Garden. For she's gathered her skirts above the knee, and she's gone to the wishing well to see if the one that she loves waits. All alone at the wishing well. Despite her decades of training, the elf general found herself just the slightest bit distracted by some strange quality of Arlene's song. But, ever the consummate professional, she drew in her breath, waiting to time her release with the exhale. And then... She was struck on the head by the droppings of the pigeon, which was soon joined by eleven of its mates. What the devil? 
And then, cresting a nearby hill, came the erstwhile Kaltir to the until recently great House Gwernathal. Those are mine. Oh, I left the cage open by mistake. I'm terribly... By Kaladin's grace, Lord Commander, what a fancy meeting you out here. Hilloing, good evening. What brings you... Is that... Is that Arlene Redmore? The Once and Future Nerd is directed by Christian T. Kelly Madeira. It is created and executive produced by Zach Class and Christian T. Kelly Madeira and co-executive produced by Jess Kelly Madeira. Alex Story and Ryan Cushman are associate producers. It is performed by... Rhiannon Angel. Garrett Arman. Dan Dobransky. Anya Gibeon. Ian Harkins. Paul Notice. Juliet Prather. Frank Quares. Julie Reed. Gregory M. Schultz. And guest starring Zach Valenti as Merrill. Production audio recording by Jared Paul, with second unit recording this chapter by Zach Valenti. Editing by Josh Perot. Post-production mixing and sound design by Garrett Schultz. Tom Lee is our musical director and lead composer, with additional scoring by Chris Montalbo. For more, visit onceinfuturenerd.com or find us on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, or Reddit. <laughs>